adults with low literacy skills are three times more likely to be in poverty, four times more likely to have poor health, and eight times more likely to be incarcerated. We, the educators, want to help you improve those numbers. How? Through this podcast. We, the educators, believe in the importance of integrity, social justice, domestic literacy, common understanding, overall well-being, and the blessings of opportunity for all people. And we establish this podcast as a podcast of educators, by educators, and for educators. All right. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to this episode of the We the Educators podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Earl Brian, and as always with me is my co-host, Dr. Ramo Lordani. Yeah. So, Ramo, we got a big treat for folks today. We've got, uh, you know, we announced our first sponsor on the last show. And as uh, we mentioned there, we've got uh, Hatla Johnson with us from Uqualio. Hatla, thanks for being with us. You're super welcome. And thank you for asking. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to have this because, you know, Ramo and I are kind of privy to this story already. But, uh, you know, if you would, in, in your own words, like talk to us about, you know, uh, how did you come up with the idea of Uqualio? You know, what's your background? How do you come up with Uqualio? And, and what does it mean for educators? Well, first of all, I have a background in business and psychology, well, social science master, and then with uh, topics in business and psychology. And um, I've been working a lot with motivation and change and, you know, making people understand that, you know, we're currently at one spot and we have to move to another and how to do that in a non-stressful, uh, positive way so that people actually, you know, feel involved and, um, uh, you know, feels okay with the situation. And um, I did that for many years, also very corporate in IBM and in Novo Nordisk, which is a pharmaceutical company. And then um, I moved, uh, I was so fortunate that I had the opportunity to take a break, uh, and I did. And uh, my uh, family has, uh, they were entrepreneurs as well. So they they started two companies and uh, they were actually sold, which meant that I suddenly had a possibility to do exactly what I wanted to do. And... um, well, having a very, very meaningful job and at the same time making a difference in the world, I think that would, you know, for most people, make a huge difference. So um, um, I've been part of something called the Family Business Network, and uh, it's a network for family-owned companies. And we met up in Dubai uh, 10 years ago, and uh, there was this activist workshop where we had to work on philanthropy, how how we could make, as family businesses, could make a difference in the world. How could we change things? How could we positively change things, make the world more sustainable? And uh, we had to discuss what we thought was the biggest problem in the world. And to be honest, at the t- time, I was relatively naive. So I thought it was something like you know, clean drinking water or something. And then luckily, this Argentinian rancher and banker just looked at me and he was like, you don't even get it, don't do you? You're, you're so blessed where you come from, you can't even see it, do you? Can you? I was like, blessed, what are you talking about? And he was like, what the world needs is education and youth in Scandinavia, you should know. 
you 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 don't even see the golden spoon you have in your mouth you you you're so raised with education you go to school for 10 years you you go to high school or technical school or business school or something else afterwards and then you continue in 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 universities or other similar things you you you, you know so many things you should be you should be forced to, to take a year off after whatever education you took and you should go somewhere in the world. It doesn't really matter where. And you should just teach people something, whether it's languages or um, uh, how to fish or sew or cook or clean water or build stuff or whatever. You, you should go out there. And I had that a lot in my back head because, you know, contributing positively to the world, I think most people would love to do so. And then by incidents, it turned out that one of my uh, husband's old colleagues was uh, had this idea for a platform where he took video, because video is such an easy media, especially nowadays with mobile phones. And so he said, well, you know, I think we can change the world positively if we use video-based learning especially if it's based on, you know, the modern version of video-based uh, uh, training, the one version called micro-learning, because it makes, or spaced learning, because this way of learning makes it super, super easy for people and the brain, you know, to, to, to remember. And um, so that's what we actually, that's what we've done. So um, we've made what, you know, <laughs> the SDGs or the UN's uh, world uh, world target world goals SDG targets number four says quality education and the reason why you know we should make quality education is that it reduces poverty and increases income it leads to better health it prevents injustice and inequality and at the same time it drives sustainable growth and helps us protect the planet so you know. What you really want to do is is make a platform that just is super highly efficient, uh, yeah, to make it really easy to learn, and that's what we've done. We've made a kind of a YouTube uh, video platform that just makes it easy to see if people saw and understood your video. Yeah, no, and I will say this: uh, you, you absolutely have you you hit that uh, nail squarely on the head because Equalio is such a great platform. I'm not just saying that because you're sponsoring the show. I'm saying that because it's true. Um, but, you know, Ramo, I know that, you know, some of those things that Hatla just mentioned there, you know, with UN and, and education and the impact it has, I know those are some things that really mean something to you. So, uh, you know, feel free to chime in here, buddy. Yeah, I uh, was let, letting Hetla go. She was on a roll, but I'm like, I'm over here like, no, I'm chopping at the nails. Like, you, you, girl, go. Because what that uh, the guy that you met is exactly right. You know, the world's problems can be traced back to a lack of education. I know the University of Pittsburgh published a report here in the last year or so called was a poverty beyond the urban core where we see that poverty is infiltrating suburbia um, out here in the rural areas where I live and so forth. And what we need to do is get a handle on that. And he's right. If we were educated, literate, then we can get into these more uh, larger community-based issues of clean drinking water, of everybody having food, clothing, power, necessities of life. You know, and, um, you know, I was the same way. I went straight into, um, 
I went straight into uh, uh, college right after high school. I was privileged in a sense, but growing up where I did, I also knew that we had literacy problems. We had poor, we had this and that. And Hitler, right now we're uh, developing and actually published a couple videos off Uqualio and got them into the poor re- municipalities in the Pittsburgh area. And we're assessing, you know, what we need to do to help refine them and so forth. But Uqualio has given us a chance to get in there. And this is poverty, um, sorry, positive um, improvement for the public, positive social change. We can get everybody you know, hopefully reduce the proportionality. You mentioned UNESCO. Look at their Learning Cities Initiative. Would Earl, you and I just talked about this last week. The Learning Cities Initiative, where we can improve everybody's ability for community literacy, for workplace improvement, and so forth. Yeah. No, I and, 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 all day. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. And, and, and the one thing I like about this, right, is, is, you know, hearing you two talk about it. I mean, this is a lot of great information that, that you two are sharing. And I really hope that our listeners are kind of really digesting this because, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's true. I mean, I think that's just the basis of it is, is it's all true and education uh, is invaluable. And, and, you know, even in some of those kind of non-traditional things, I think a lot of people, you know, think of education as as a brick and mortar schoolhouse, you know, whether it is K through 12, whether it's a high school, whether it's a elementary school, whether it's a university or whatever. Right. But we're, we're talking about education kind of holistically of, of transferring knowledge from one person to a learner. Right. In Denmark, they made studies. They followed a uh, um what do you call it, a year, people, I think it was born in 1955, and they've actually followed them up until now, where they've, you know, tracked them uh, more or less every five years. They've tracked how happy are they, how much education did they do, etc. Lots of different um, variables in order to figure out what makes uh, a possible uh, change for human beings. And what they've found here in Denmark was that one of the biggest marker on anything for a human here uh, in, in Denmark was the amount of education they had. And the reason why was that um, uh, it empowered people. So it didn't really matter if they were carpenters or if they were, you know, bookkeepers or whatever, but this feeling that they couldn't just be moved around by society because they actually knew something about their life and, you know, they could read, they could figure out how to overcome problems. And, and that resulted in personal happiness for people. So, so making sure that people have the tools to learn is extremely important because it, it, it actually empowers people to feel uh, sustainable in their own lives. Building upon that, Hetla, back in 1932, an adult uh, educator, community activist guy named Miles Horton, who would go on to create the Highlander um, Education and Research Center. Anyways, Miles Horton went to Denmark in like 1930s and he visited something called the Danish Folk Schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he brought that idea back, okay, uh, about starting the Highlander Folk School, where he brought people in with community problems, whether it was a pollution problem, water problem, education, literacy, or otherwise. Miles Horton based Highlander on the Danish Folk Schools, which led to building a wonderful, positive social environment of change for all people. 
So that has a robust history here in this country. And it's something that as technology continues to grow, we can reach more people on wider platforms through video, micro learning videos. We even give them like a QR code and then they can download this micro learning three to six minute video sitting waiting on a bus or a doctor's office and give them the opportunity to improve their knowledge and skill while on your way to somewhere else or waiting on an appointment. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly why we've, because one of the things, actually, I'll, I'll give you a, a fun story. Here in Denmark, public school is called Folkeskolen. So it's, it's the people, Folke, Folke, Folke is the people. So it's the school for the people. And everybody in Denmark uh, goes to Folkeskolen uh, as, uh, you know, to learn, you know, the basic things. But one of the things about the learning methods is that even today, it's all about 45-minute lessons. And that's one of the, the very odd things, because when, when you start studying, you know, modern brain knowledge, then it's like it, there is nobody that can concentrate for 45 minutes. It, they never could. Uh, and, and the next thing is that the brain learns really well in threes. So, you know, biting things up, spaced uh, making space learning where people actually you know get it in small bites of three that makes it super easy for the brain to remember so i'm kind of thinking all those years that i used in school and university etc you know 45 minutes at a time and the fun part is that i'm my body is so accustomed to the 45 minutes still these days so after 45 minutes i'll start jumping on the chair because it's like now i need to go to <laughs> the, the toilet or something else because it's you know it's so layered in me but but Honestly, it's a, it's a really silly way of learning, and I would I would um, if if I were a modern institution, you know, trying to based on you know all the experience of online learning with COVID, I would definitely make sure that all the syllabus was made in in micro learning bites that people could learn from home, you know, easy and quietly. They could look them up and then instead use the hours that they have in school to actually sit together and use the examples and you know. All the stuff that you never have time to, to, because in most classrooms, you're always repeating, you know, the syllabus uh, instead of, you know, actually building on top of it, making people smart on the application and how to use it. Yeah, no, I, I really like what you what you said there. And, and the reason it really rings out to me is I'm always reminded one of my favorite uh, Albert Einstein quotes is uh, he, he says, uh, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I always like to stress the the you piece there, right? Because that was my that was my problem with school. What 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 Hatla just described right there was, you know, expecting me, somebody who suffers with some you know mild ADHD to sit there for 30, 45 minutes and pay attention you know, that was just, it was not possible. But when teachers were able to, um, you know, reach out to me and, and, and simplify it, right? And I think that's what I love about micro learnings. It forces you to simplify what you're teaching because you have to take all that extraneous stuff off of it and focus on what you're trying to transfer. And, and when you get in that 30 to 45 minute session there, like you, you, you throw in a lot of fluff and a lot of filler just to meet the time, right? And you should train to the knowledge not to fill a time block, right? Well, Earl, let's take let's take what you're saying now and what you and I discussed last week. Let's go back to that in the week before. 
We want to take learning in a, you know the UNESCO's Learning Cities model. And Hetla, I think this is where micro learning really can be at its finest as we get it into the libraries, the community centers, the public parks, uh, whatnot. Get it out into the community for families to learn again as families and so forth, right? And we see where a family can share an instructional video, a three to six minute instructional video, or let's say we remember the old reading groups, book groups or whatever. What we can now is use video as a learning mechanism for something, right? You don't just learn, you learn something. So what these videos can do for us is say, okay, we're all watching this video and now we're prepared to discuss it, whether it's through Zoom and we can even watch this video on Zoom which is really cool, or meet in person, but it brings it out to the community. We're actually, we're, and, actually, we're actually adding on top of that because on the platform, if people are signed up, they can give feedback to the course and that could be a video that they return to you. And that actually means that, you know, they, you, you can get the end user to make video. They should supplement whatever it is that you've done so that you're, you know, making it even better than it was before. Out in the communities, a lot of adults are out there saying, I'm not an educator or I'm not a learner. I don't belong in school. I'm too dumb to do this. And we're like, okay, just wait, calm down. All right. And then we start engaging them. I said, like the one, I says, make me a video of you making breakfast. Okay. Just something that simple, Hetlot, what you were talking about. And as you break this video down for them, say, okay, how did you know to do that? How did you? So you did learn. You are a learner. And we start building rapport, but commitment and confidence. Oh, that's, I mean, that's something that you get a lot at with your, uh, the leadership podcasts is, you know, being able to lead these people to do something that they didn't think they could do. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm glad you went there because that was the one thing I, I did want to stress too. And again, one of the reasons why I like Equalio is, uh, you know, there was a, a piece of research done. I want to say Pew Research did it, but uh, it was made famous by a Harvard Business Review article. And the title of the article was, We Wait Too Long to Train Our Leaders. And, you know, they, they, they had a bunch of questions in there, but the two that this article really focused on was uh, they asked, I want to say there was 20 some thousand folks across the globe. Uh, what age were you when you got put into your first formal management slash leadership role? And what age were you when you received your first uh, formal uh, leadership slash management training? And what they found was there was a good 10, 11 year gap from the time you were promoted into a position to the time you received any type of education on how to actually conduct, you know, work with people, be empathetic, have emotional intelligence, all of those things. And I think I, I see a Uqualio as a platform to where a, an organization can go in, sign up and, and put that education in there as micro learning. So when that person's promoted, you say, here, go to Uqualio, here's some good training, and then we'll follow up with coaching and mentoring to supplement that type of training. Any, any kind of training. You know, that's I, I think one of the biggest problems what we've been seeing is that very often when you want to make training, you end up making a huge project. So, you know, you have people sitting uh, in a circle discussing for sometimes even years whether or not, you know, how what it should involve, etc. And 
<laughs> during the time you 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 you're actually wasting it because it's like when you finally get to the end position the world will probably have changed in the meantime so what you were making is irrelevant so you know sometimes I think one of the things we need to do in education is is accept that eighty percent is okay. It, it it doesn't need to be perfect, and it never will be perfect because you know life happens while you're waiting for perfection. So so you know, grab a phone, record yourself, upload it, and then you have something that works now, and now is better than in two years' time when you have it in perfect version. Yep. I love that. So, I love that. Yeah, in the Marines, awesome. we called that the, the, the 70% solution. So I like 70, 80%, but it was basically, yeah, no, it was, it was the same concept, right? It's like, you can wait until you have a hundred percent of the information, but now that information is stale and you got to start from scratch. 70% gets you close enough and you adjust on the fly. The reason why I say 80 is that Pareto, who, he was a professor, Pareto, uh, and he had this sentence that you can solve 80% of the problem with 20% of the effort. And that's why, you know, if, if you make something now that works, it might not be perfect, but very often to make the last 20%, it will take 80% of the time. All right, folks. So I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. In the world today where we see you know, a global economy. We see rapidly advancing technology. We see ever-transforming expectations on and of adults. There needs to be mechanisms in here for something called lifelong learning. And I went there. So lifelong learning, let's take a look at it. What is it? And break it down. But what we can see is videos. Where do people go now? YouTube or those other platforms and so forth, but they are looking to videos to keep themselves abreast of something. You know, they get a new position at work or they have a kid or something happens in their life. And now, Oh crap, I need to understand this a little better. Or what do I do? Or, you know, somebody's, you know, big people are coming for dinner and I need to make uh, chicken cacciatore. So I go to a video to learn how to do it. So, yeah, what you've come across is this ability to get people into this lifelong learning mode to adapt and transition to ever meet and exceed the calls upon them from society and their workplace. But at the same time, making it easy, because that's one of the things, you know, normally if you have to sign up for something and then it's 50 hours of classroom training and you're sitting there at home in front of your computer or in a classroom and sorry... It, in my experience, there's just a lot of difference between how fast people learn. Because I've, I've been so much to school, I'm an extremely fast learner. So for me, one of the worst things about video training is that it's slow. And then, I, for instance, on our platform, it turned out that we could, you know, add a button so that you can actually, you know, turn, you know, the, the speed of the video up. So I always turn my videos up to one and a half uh, because it, it does sound a little bit funny. But on the other hand, it makes it, you know, even faster to learn because, you know, people are very slow speakers. So I, t- I tend to drop off. But it's, you know, uh, well, whoever you are. <laughs> no, and, and again, I, what I love about this is, is you know, what, what you all were just talking about there. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, why TED Talks have become so popular. You know, they're. They started out at 18 minutes. I think they're down to 12 minutes. And 
And it brings this idea of learning and interconnectivity. And I think that's the piece I like to always focus on is, is uh, cognitive diversity, the interconnectivity. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite TED Talks of all time was by a, name of, uh, a guy named uh, Tal Goldsworthy. I don't know if you ever heard that name, but uh, essentially he had something wrong with his, his aorta. He goes to see the doctor. The doctor tells him, look, this is what you got wrong. There's no known way to fix it right now. Um, yeah, you've got this long to live. It's not a good prognosis. And he goes home and uh, I'm very shortening his story here, but he goes home and he says, you know what? Look, I'm an engineer. I, I deal with, with tubes on a daily basis. The heart is just tubes. The aorta is a tube. And so he is an engineer sets back and says, how can I solve this problem? And he developed the technique to fix his own heart uh, that is now the, the standard practice, right? And I think that's the power of video. You can share these stories, you can share this education, you can connect to people on a much deeper level than just text uh, or, or just an image. And who knows who you're inspiring to make that next great innovation, right? Right. Oh, that's exactly right. And Hetla, I want to direct this, just put this out there. And we know with the formal side of education, there's, you know, certifications, there's acknowledgments, and, you know, now we're getting into buttons and all this other stuff, or badges, I'm sorry, badges. But there are many in the formal education field, and including higher education universities, they have this big, you know, university of whatever backing them. So we come along, somebody like Seabree, and we establish these micro-learning modules, and we give them a certificate or a badge or something like that, right? What are your thoughts on their um, visibility within the education or within society? What do you think about that? How do we give credence or, uh, not sustainability, but, you know, how do we place credence in them to be official? To be honest, I think... Um there's a French philosopher called Pierre Bourdieu, and he says that, you know, exams and badges and all things like that are, are, are capital, uh, but with a, with a uh, what do you call it, a capital K in capital. And, and it's, it's things that are, yeah, it's, well, everything you experience would be from his perspective would be, uh, it, it's things that other people value. But capital K capital is, is the, the, what, you know, everybody has agreed on. So for instance, having a law degree from, uh, Howard is probably better than having it from, uh, Copenhagen University because it's, it's, you know, everybody, uh, thinks that it has higher, uh, esteem. So that would be capital K. But one of the things that's important is to be honest, not so much which, to, from my perspective, it's not so much which university it's from, it's having the education, it's knowing the techniques and how to do it. And, and to be honest also with the, it's, it's, you know, when you've taken an education, you get a badge or a certificate that proves that you've now learned something. And that's why we've added badges to the, you call your platform as well, because it, 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 it can be nice to say to people, well, we actually got a badge for this. We, I can document that I've seen this education. I know how to assemble or I've done this compliance. So one of our customers, I don't know if I told you this along the way, but 
we sell, we have to make a sustainable business model for our, uh, for our platform. So we're selling it to businesses, but on, and giving it uh, to NGOs for free. But what we're doing with the, um, uh, one of our companies is uh, called Applied Information and is actually an American based company. And it turns out that they're, oh, sorry, they make traffic lights, uh, system. So they save up to 62 seconds on an emergency call because they can make green lights uh, flash uh, through the city. So if there's an emergency, they just, you know, drive through the city. And I mean, 62 seconds on average, that's life-saving. But it turns out that the American traffic ministry or whatever, they actually give, they, they want engineers to be trained every year. So they have, uh, they actually get credits for taking or, or prove that they've taken courses on this platform. And the reason or, or the way they do that is by showing the certificate that they, they got, they got. So that would be one way. Another way where the badge is super important is if it's compliance courses. If you're, you know, working in a restaurant and you've been given a course in how to wash your hands, you know, to avoid people getting ill. I mean, it is actually really important that you do that every day and that you're reminded how to do it because, you know, you don't really want to give people a bad stomach. So, uh, and, and making sure that you can actually prove, you know, to anyone, I did train people. I have explained exactly, and they saw the video. They signed off on the questions, so they know they have to rub the hands for 60 seconds. It's not just about, you know, putting water on and then dripping them off. That's not washing hands if you're in, in, in a restaurant. Um, so, you know, and, so it, it can be used for a lot of things. And then, of course, also it can be used to... to um, inspire others to take courses. And that's actually where we think the biggest value of our brand, sorry, our uh, badges lies, because you, you take your badge and then you just share it on social media. And that means that everybody else can see, okay, I know how to take, a, 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 you know, how to wash my hands properly. And when you've seen this video, then you know it too. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And yeah. No, I love that. Said, I love Earl, she says social media, which is like, you know, the transforming of understanding. And I've seen where, you know, LinkedIn and others, you could show your badges prominently right on your, what do you call it? Profile. Okay. And I think this is what you net that learning cities initiative under the ninth commitment that says, uh, acknowledging the importance of learning in informal and non-formal settings and developing systems that recognize and reward all forms of learning. So I brought this up as a means to have a little discussion on this from your side, the developer side of these micro-learning opportunities, right? Platforms. But it's and super easy. Oh, I think, yeah, and Earl, I think this is something like Seabree and that this is what we do, and <laughs> we provide, you know, but not buttons, badges and certificates and stuff. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent, and and that's why we're we're happy to be partnered with Equalio. Help them share what they do. Use their platform to share what Seabree does. Um, it, it's just a great partnership. And and Hatla, you know, uh, been blessed to to get to know you and and uh, Equalio and and Christian. I think we're going to have him on here at some point in time. Um, but you know, we're coming up on that thirty minute mark, and as we look to kind of wrap things up here, I, I I'm. Really curious, is there anything that we didn't get to discuss today, Hatla, that you, you, you want to leave listeners with? 
I think one of the the things I've learned in my life is that you know you think you're going somewhere and you 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 take an education you do something and then things happen along the way and then your interests change so i thought i was going to work and be you know a ceo in one of the, the major corporations in the world and things happened and and now i'm going somewhere else and you know you do a lot of things in your life and the things will take you you know to places that you didn't necessarily expect so you should never worry about taking more education it might you know you can have many careers in your life it's it's not just one you know for many people in the old days you, you thought that yeah, that life was you know i became i'm i'm taking an education as a dentist and i'm a dentist for the next 70 years i think life is changing we work for so long uh, we don't we're healthy for a much longer time and who would ever want to be a dentist for 70 years Maybe it, it's fun, you know, to, 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 to combine, you know, maybe be a dentist in uh, Africa for years, uh, try other things along the way. So, so there are many ways of, you know, trying yeah, to, to learn stuff so that you, you don't bore yourself to death while you, you live. I love that. And it, and it is, it's exciting. And, and you got a lot of stuff on you, Qualio. And, and I, I think it's, again, I just think it's a great platform for that. Ramo, any uh, parting comments for you? Well, I want to just thank Ketla for, you know, uh, collaborating with Seabreed uh, to improve our mission, to provide uh, literacy and learning to people who might not otherwise have received it. So that, Earl, I think we um, want to thank Ketla for that. We're so 100%. Honored. And, uh, we're honored to be partnered with you. I mean, I, again, I really do mean that. And and so hopefully we've piqued our, our listeners' interest uh, they want to find out more about you, Qualio. They want to find out more about you. Uh, what What is a good way for them to to do that? Well, you can always go to our website. We will actually be rebranding in not so very long, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll put more. You will still be able to find us under Uqualio. But um, you could go to our website. If there is, you have any questions, don't hesitate to find me. My name is Hadla Johnson. I'm the CEO of Ucolium. So I'm on LinkedIn and on Facebook and all other places. So I'm super easy to find. Uh, and uh, tell us what you, what ideas you have and we'll try and see if we can help you. We might Love not it. be able Love. to because we try to make things easy. So you know, if you're expecting a really, really difficult, super high advanced, uh, can any, you know, 500 uh, different learning paths, you shouldn't come to us. But if you just want to make really easy learning that people can understand and remember, then, you know, we'd love to show you I, I, what we do. No, I love that. I love hearing, you know, because I, I think a lot of organizations don't really get in touch with what they're not. They focus on what they are and don't really get in touch with what they're not. So that that's a good that's a good sign there. So, all right. To, well, we try to make no, the platform easy to administer in the other end as well so that, you know, anyone uh, no, no, you don't have to have a lot of technical knowledge to make courses. You, you know, you upload them, you add questions, and then you distribute them. That's it. Yep. No, it is a nice, easy platform. And we'll make sure that all those links get into the show notes there. So, uh, listeners, you can click on, get there, um, and uh, we'll have... Ramo's email address. We'll have my email address on there so you can get with us as well. We'll have Seabreeze site on there. We want to make sure that everybody can reach everything nice and easy. So we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, Hatla, again, thank you very much for being with us tonight. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Hatla. And Ramo, it was all right getting to talk to you too. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, listeners, thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next episode uh, where we'll be talking with uh, Miss Lois Letchford uh, about, you know, I guess the best way to put it is adjusting your learning or your adjusting your teaching methods for the learner that you have. And that'll make a lot more sense once we hear her story. So we'll see you next episode with Lois Letchford. Bye, everybody.